Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Patrick James, one of the senior portfolio managers at AOP Professional Advanced Parts of the Bank of Scotland. That's the voice of Patrick James, who wants you to call him Pat. The minimum across all of our bonds as a stand is £20,000. He's calm and matter-of-fact as he advises a potential investor on how to spend tens of thousands of pounds buying the risk-free bonds that his company sells. Then what you'll see to the right or underneath the Your Money box, all of your money is protected by FSCS. We don't protect e-money. Um, was protected, AOP Professional Advance, FRN 169628, £50,000, money protected for you, green check, tick box, money at risk, zero. But far from being a safe investment, this was a scammer being recorded and exposed by the Sunday Times. Today, we find out how. When I saw the details on the regulator's website, I sort of almost started questioning my myself and I had to go to the Bank of Scotland and, and tell them. Then it's after the Bank of Scotland confirmed it was a scam that I was confident I should carry on and see where we get to. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, confronting the scammers. My name's Ali Hussein. I'm the uh, chief money reporter for The Times and The Sunday Times. And I've been looking at these kind of things for a number of years now, this rise in fraud um, and scams and how the scammers always seem to be one step ahead of the regulators, the police, the banks and the telecom and internet companies. And it does sort of feel like we've sort of got to the stage where everybody knows somebody who's been scammed or is getting regular text messages which feel like a scam. It feels like it's become more prevalent than ever. Absolutely. These things seem to be proliferating, really. And, you know, as you say, lots of people are receiving text messages, which seems to be the the latest way in for the scammers. Send out these, you know, messages to lots of people to try and encourage them to click through to a website where accomplices or the same individuals possibly would try and uh, extract sensitive information about yourself or your bank account, that sort of thing which can later be used to to commit these kind of frauds. How do these scams work? And how are scammers getting away with them? To find out more, Ali submitted some details on a website which he suspected was a scam. Pretty soon, his phone was ringing. So I think all in all, I had about eight or nine conversations 
over a period of about two weeks, two, three weeks, something like that. It all started very slowly. So I'm not to keep you. I've got an email here of gmail.com. Yeah, great, perfect. Looking to achieve 6% plus on capital around 25 to 50K. Is that also about correct? And after each call, they'd often send me some documentation, some brochures about their products, documents for me to sign to prove who I was, the anti-money laundering stuff, and then some documents for me to sign to make the investment, that sort of thing. And then at the end, the details of the bank account I was to send my money to, really. One of the interesting things about this scam was the lack of pressure, was not actually saying that I'd miss out if I, if I don't immediately invest, which is a kind of hallmark of some of the scams in the past. And talk me through how the tone changed from that first phone call, the first few very polite, very welcoming phone calls, to that last one. Well, it was a complete switch, wasn't it? it was throughout the whole thing, you, they were being very polite. But as soon as I told them I was a journalist, the entire tone changed. Look out for that email from my assistant, and I'll come back to you uh, before the end of the week so I can uh, um, be aware that you've received the email. Then we'll just catch up and move forward accordingly over next week, OK? They had this kind of faux posh accent that they'd used to start with suddenly disappeared and it became a much more aggressive tone. What did they say? So what makes you believe that my company and uh, uh, my, uh, my clients and colleagues are uh, scams? Well, I mean, I couldn't say on air, really. I mean, it was uh, expletive-ridden uh, at the end and they just, just put the phone down, really. They were very angry. The scammers scammed. Scammers scammed, indeed, yeah. Ali's expose began when he stumbled upon a website which appeared to offer surprisingly good returns on investments. I thought, let's see what happens. If I'm somebody who's looking for a top savings account or something, you know, I, I can type in you know, top ISA rates or top saving accounts on Google and you'd find websites have paid for prominence on search results. And sometimes these websites are, are, are genuine, but other times they are fake. This particular website had been reported to the Financial Conduct Authority the week before. So I just thought, well, I'll put in a fake name on this website um, that was offering 6, 7, 8% a year returns. You already had a suspicion that this was a scam. And it had all the hallmarks of, of looking like a scam. Like I say, it was offering ridiculously high rates, interest rates, savings accounts pay hardly anything these days because of low interest rates. Uh, so anything offering three four, five, six percent a year was obviously not real, especially when it claims to be these these returns are hundred percent guaranteed, it's completely protected by the government a safety net for savers called the Financial Services Compensation Scheme. So I knew it wasn't correct. So I just entered a fake name and suggested I was interested in investing something like 50,000 in this bond. I can just imagine their, their eyes lighting up. Well exactly. Somebody was bound to sort of get this and think, oh this is somebody we should try. I want to ask you a bit more about sort of how the scam worked and what it was offering in just a minute, but mm. talk me through the phone calls you had with the people on the other end. So the following day after I put in this information, I got a call from somebody. To get to the point, and not to keep you this morning, uh, we receive a vast, voluminous amount of online inquiries, plus lots of incorrect emails. So a very quick call, confirm email is correct for yourself, and then have that information, request information come over. Called us a Pat, Patrick James, I think it was. And he was very polite, and he wasn't 
pressuring me to do anything. And I realized immediately it was a scammer because he'd referred to me by the fake name I'd put into this website. So I knew immediately this was somebody who'd obviously received this uh, response from me. So I got my recording. Luckily, I had my uh, dictaphone to hand. What did you make of him as a character? What did he sound like? He just sounded very polite. Pat seemed completely calm and just saying, look, we've received this uh, response to this website and we'd just like to talk it through with you. What are you interested in? What do you want to invest in? Why do you want to invest in this? Just asking me about myself, really, and what my plans were, what kind of things I was looking for. Did he sound professional? Absolutely. I mean, he knew what he was talking about. Scroll down to trading names to expedite the process. Go to page three and what you'll see is AOP professional advice. And he eventually invited me to to go onto the regulator's website, the Financial Conduct Authority website, to check out his uh, company's name. And he would be very reassuring, saying things like, there's no pressure for you to invest and we want you to be 100% satisfied that we are a genuine company. So look at our details on the uh, regulator's website and so on. And he'd take me through exactly where his company would appear on the regulator's website. So it all provided a sense of credibility, like he, he knew what he was talking about and the product he was selling was safe and secure and so on. Yours, whatever that may be, to expedite the process of financial due diligence and security and take through the FCA register, clarification of regulation, of course, but more importantly, the financial services compensation scheme register, whereby, uh, Mr. Special, we input our company details. Uh, level I just investment. want to uh, uh, get in touch with you, ask some basic questions, have a look at us uh, on the websites of the regulator and so on, and then I'll call you back the following day to see how we carry on. I just waited, and as he said, I, I got contacted again the following day, and he sent me some brochures on an email with some of the details of these uh, products he was offering. And they all had the genuine bank logos and so on, and lots of sort of... Um, terms and condition uh, details, lots of small print, so it all looked genuine and authentic. Tell me, what exactly was the scam? What were they offering you? What were you supposed to be investing your £50,000 in? They're offering uh, what they call were the, um, the scraps of corporate bonds. So corporate bonds are basically IOUs issued by companies. They're essentially loans, and you give your money to this firm. In return, the firm will give you a certain uh, interest rate over a certain number of years, and then your initial money... Uh, assuming it doesn't go bust in the meantime. Their class is slightly riskier than cash, so you tend to get a higher rate of return generally. But the crucial bit is they're not as safe as cash. You can never be 100% sure you'd get all your money back, but this is the way they were presenting these products. So not only were the scammers offering eye-catchingly high rates of return, but they also claimed the bonds were 100% safe. They're never 100% safe and they're not covered by the financial services compensation scheme. So this is the government safety net. So if one of the banks holding your cash uh, goes bust, then up to £85,000 of that money is backed by the government. But this isn't the case with corporate bonds. How high a rate of return were they offering? I mean, how tempting was this? The Tesco's 5.2% bond is available, as is the Lloyd's uh, 6%. It's 6 7%, which is ridiculous. I mean, the highest rate you can get on a 100% safe cash account is probably about 1.5%. The man on the phone, Pat, as he wanted to be known, claimed they were able to offer these astounding returns because they were selling corporate bonds 
which would normally only be offered to big companies and not to individuals. Ali was lucky that they were giving him the chance to buy bonds in Barclays, Tesco and Lloyds Bank. It was a lot of money to be handing over. So how convincing, how legitimate did Pat's company look? Well, this is one of the most worrying aspects of this whole thing, I think. So when Pat contacted me, he claimed to be from this company called AOP Professional. And and he invited me to go to the website. And there was a genuine website for this company. Mm. But what I found most surprising was that AOP Professional actually does appear on the Financial Conduct Authority website as a genuine subsidiary of the Bank of Scotland. Ah. But it it hasn't been taken off the FCA register. So what scammers have worked out is that the big banks have lots of small subsidiaries that they've used sometime in the past, but they no longer use. Uh, So they just lie there redundant, but are still on the regulator's register. So when Pat invited me to go on the regulator's uh, website to find his company, it appears there, it appears as a subsidiary of Bank of Scotland. So he could genuinely call himself uh, an employee of Bank of Scotland, which is essentially what he was claiming to be. He was saying, I'm part of the Bank of Scotland. Yeah. Uh, you can check me out, look at the website. There we are, AOP Professional Advance on the regulator's website. So that's what the scammers, the new thing I think they're doing is basically taking advantage of these dormant, redundant firms of the large banks so that when potential victims look up these companies, it will look real. They'll look part of a genuine firm. And so they take a genuine dormant firm, which is associated to a big bank, and then what, they sort of spoof it? They create their own website for it? They created this website for AOP Professional. And obviously, when I when I put it to the Bank of Scotland, asking, can you confirm if this is genuinely you? They mm. confirmed, obviously, that AOP Professional is, is a genuine subsidiary, but the website I showed them was clearly not one of their websites. How did they respond when they realised somebody was using their, their name? They got in touch with the regulator, they got in touch with the financial service compensation scheme, just to tell them, look, these scammers are using one of our subsidiaries to, to commit this kind of fraud. They also got in touch with the police and so on um, about what was going mm. on. They were surprised. After I told everybody about what what was going on and what I'd found, the the website, AOP Professional, was quickly shut down. A a warning was put up on the FSCS, the Financial Services Compensation Team Register, and also the FCA Register, the Regulators Register. But as soon as we'd reported all this, warnings were put up on the registers uh, about this firm. They can't take away the firm completely because um, AOP Professional genuinely does exist. We need the big banks to really yeah. make an effort to take take down these firms, really prevent this kind of thing. If, if they're no longer in use, you wonder why they haven't proactively taken them down. Ali, I mean, given the sort of information that they'd provided you with, I know you already had a warning that they weren't genuine, but I think for, for most of us, even if you, you sometimes assume that people are gullible if they fall for a scam, and it's just it's just not true because I think faced with that sort of evidence, faced with sort of a company that is a subsidiary of the Bank of Scotland, it's registered with the Financial Conduct Authority, it looks legitimate, it's selling you corporate bonds with some of the biggest banks in the country, a lot of people would fall for that. What, what were the signs for you that this was definitely ropey. I had to question myself. I mean, when I first received the, the literature and the documentation, that was one of the first signs, really, that this wasn't all genuine because they were claiming these bonds were 100% safe. But when I saw the details on the regulator's 
website, I sort of almost started questioning my myself, and I had to go to the Bank of Scotland and, and tell them. Then it's after the Bank of Scotland confirmed it was a scam that I was confident I should carry on and see where we get to, really. Um, yeah. But it, it's things like that. It's the claim is to be 100% safe when I know that corporate bonds aren't safe. It's the fact that the guy was calling me by the fake name that I'd put into this obviously fake website. All these things rang alarm bells, really. Was the website convincing? To the untrained eye, it probably was convincing. I mean, I know what a regulated uh, financial services company website should look like. And there should be lots of information about the company, details about the bosses and so on. This website was very sparse, lacked a lot of details. So that also rang alarm bells. It doesn't have a huge amount of detail about the products it offers or, or that kind of thing. A genuine website will have a lot more detail, really. And I know you did something quite cunning, which I, I when I read it, I sort of thought I would never have even thought to do that. But it was quite a, an interesting tip about about the, the, the ID and, and the fake national insurance number. Tell us about that. So banks are obliged to carry out checks to prevent money laundering. So this was another thing that uh, Pat and his accomplice, Michael, did to convince me that they were genuine, which is they send a form for me to fill in because they were saying that this was part of their duty to prevent money laundering and so on. So they obviously had a very detailed knowledge about bank processes. And there's something psychologically about the moment it looks like they're checking you out, you stop checking them out quite so much, I suppose. Absolutely. I think it's part of the whole understanding the behavioural techniques used by these scammers. They try and convince you that they're the ones who are checking things out. They're the ones who are carrying out the due diligence. So they asked me to provide some details about me to ensure that I was who I said I was, which was going to be tricky because they suggested that you can do this by providing us your driver's license or a passport. Now, I obviously don't have a driver's license or a passport with, with the fake name that I provided, but they said that I could also, if I wanted to, provide my national insurance number and some other details, which they'd uh, check with the Financial Conduct Authority. So I just provided a fake number and some fake details, assuming that it wouldn't actually be checked anywhere. Lo and behold, the, the next day, you know, he came back and said, oh, it's all checked out. So we, we checked your details with the FCA. And things progressed from there, really. I mean, that must have been very odd. <laughs> Were you sort of trying to stop yourself from laughing? They've checked this fake national insurance number and it's all fine. It's all part of the scam. and I, I knew exactly what they're trying to do, because this is what, what the scammers do. They're like, like you say, they try and convince you that they're doing all the kind of due diligence and the checking. But because I already had my suspicions that this was a scam, I knew they wouldn't check. So having a response like that, saying it all checked out with the FCA, it was, it was amusing, I must say. The scammers thought the deal was coming together, but they were in for quite a shock. We'll have more in just a moment. But first, a message from our editor. Hi, Poppy Damon here, the editor of the Stories of Our Times podcast. The news, the views, the analysis, the investigations, the exclusives, the interviews and the business. Get more of The Times and The Sunday Times for less with 50% off a digital subscription for six months. Sale now on and it ends June 29th. Subscribe today at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So at this stage, they're telling you it's all checked out. Um, We've checked your details. Everything's fine. And now we want you to transfer the £50,000. Talk me through that stage. So they sent me details of a bank account with a sort code and account number and so on. And once you have those details, you can find out which bank that is, where it's located, that sort of thing. Mm. And the bank they used is a relatively small bank called Advanced Payment Solutions Limited that caters primarily to startup businesses. Its brand is called Cash Plus, and it provides banking services to small uh, startup firms. But according to some of my bank sources, um, have been used by fraudsters quite a lot to set up accounts to receive stolen money. The claim is perhaps that the accounts require less stringent uh, checks uh, to open than from perhaps other providers. I mean, Cash Plus deny this strenuously. But clearly, in this case, this account was opened. And it was opened quite recently, actually. I I think it was only the month before I started this investigation. So it was quite a new account. Once I got those details, I was invited to transfer the money, my 50,000, to this bank account. But I, of course, got in touch with Cash Plus and Advanced Payment Solutions Limited and told them that this is what I've been asked to do and that your account, did you realise, is being used by a scammer to receive stolen money. They immediately reported that account to the police. and They blocked uh, any other money coming in. I think somebody else was trying to transfer some funds over just shortly before. Um, so at least one person's money transfer was blocked after we reported it. And when they were talking you through transferring the money, I mean, obviously, that's a really big sum, £50,000. It's the sort of money that will make your bank notice. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, whenever you're trying to sort of transfer an amount on online banking, there's usually sort of much smaller limits. The scammers just has such a detailed knowledge of exactly how the bank processes work and what security checks banks have. So before I was asked to transfer this money, one of the scammers, Michael, he'd do the kind of due diligence and provide some more details to me about the process and so on. And he suggested that because transferring 50,000, I might not be allowed to do that in one go because banks have a certain limit for how much you can transfer each day. He just suggested I might have to do it in maybe £10,000 chunks. Just to confirm, obviously the amount you're looking to transfer is 50000 but Barclays who you're transferring from, they probably are going to have a limit. 
He said Barclays might call me uh, and ask me about uh, why I was transferring so much money just to sort of prepare me basically for an actual bank to warn me about these uh, transfers but convince me not to worry about it just to tell them that I plan to invest this large sum and I I can't do it in one go so I'm going to transfer in small chunks. Ali was coached by the scammers in intricate detail about how to override his bank's warnings and get the money transferred. If he had gone through with it, would he have had any rights or protection? The banks have this code of conduct now, voluntary code, where they say they'll refund victims who have genuinely been duped and, and, and did all they could to ensure their details were safe. But if you authorise a transfer to another bank account, you, your bank is obliged to follow that instruction. And then if it goes to this other, other bank and then it gets transferred uh, usually to dozens of other accounts, often abroad, there's nothing your bank could do because you instructed it to transfer this money. So often you'd get no redress, really, if you transferred money to somewhere else, even after a bank warns you. You're very unlikely to get any kind of refund. So there have been more calls for banks to protect their customers, improve their security, improve the systems they have to customers. Because as you say, it it, it looks like the scammers are actually taking advantage of the bank's own systems and own security procedures against them almost, because they know exactly how it works. You would just have lost £50,000 and nobody could have helped. Yeah, they always seem to be one step ahead, really. And now the fact that they're using these genuine uh, subsidiaries these dormant subsidiaries of banks. They've looked at the detailed structure of each individual bank and worked out which parts of it they can use to make them even more convincing, really. In all of this, um, can you sort of explain what's the role of of the middle accounts? How how does that work? I mean, this is another piece of the, the problem, really. It's how scammers receive stolen funds and there are two ways of really doing it you either create a a bank account for fraud and that can be quite tricky because you need to provide details about your identity who you are passports identity documents will be needed to open an account in which case you know the bank knows exactly who you are and where you live all that kind of stuff but another way is to convince force to convince somebody else to allow them to use their account so this is where you get you know, students or people coming over to this country on a temporary student visa, for example, they need a bank account. Yeah. And what sometimes the the forces would do would say, look, can we borrow your bank account for a bit um, for whatever reason? And the actual owner of the bank account might might not be too bothered what this person is going to use their account for. They might be going back to their country of origin because they finished their studies so they just think you know i'll hand over my bank account to you give us a hundred quid or something and we'll forget about it these people are sometimes called money mules because all they do is just receive stolen funds and then it's automatically transferred to lots of other accounts so all of that is handed over to the criminals to actually just use as they wish why do they need a, a middle account like that the victim has to transfer money somewhere unless they take cash out of their accounts and hand it physically to the scammers uh, which would be a very difficult thing to persuade anyone to do. Uh, and it's hugely frustrating for the police and the banks, really. It's very easy to know where money gets transferred from and to because of the electronic trail. So the police might go to the account holder and arrest them and say, look, you know, we know that you received money from this person and this person was a victim of uh, fraud. But this individual can just simply say, look, I had no idea what this account was going to be used for. 
I just handed it over to a to a friend of mine who didn't have an account, and I had no knowledge about what it was for. So the police have to actually prove that the recipient, this money mule, ah. knew that this uh, this money was from crime in order for them to be prosecuted. But that's incredibly difficult to do. And take me back to, so they're trying to get you to put money into this account, £50,000. They've told you how to get around your own bank's regulations and warning systems. What happens next? I mean, I obviously didn't have any money to transfer over, so I was kind of delaying it for a bit just to see what they'd do and if they'd get frustrated. So, you know, I left it for a day and then Pat and, and Michael, his accomplice, rang me the following day just asking, oh, you know, there's no rush, but, you know, we just wanted to check if you're sending over the money today or, you know, when you're going to send it over just so that we can make sure uh, it's received. And I think it was the day after that I sort of decided we've got as far as we can go. We've got the details of the bank that they wanted us to send the money to. Just a quick call just to say, because um, the reference has expired, we just issued you out a new reference number. Okay? So I just confronted them and said... Let me, just, let me just stop you there, Michael. I should, t- I should say to you that um, I'm actually a journalist for the Sunday Times and Abel Bashur isn't my real name. Obviously, they weren't best pleased. Tell me about that. How did they react? So Michael, who I think was the junior of the two, just put the phone down on me, really. But it was then... Uh, a few minutes later, I got a, a call from somebody who said he was Pat's senior. Is that Pat? Uh, no, no, it's Pat's uh, senior. I understand that somebody's been conducting some business with you, and uh, it turns out that you're somewhat of a uh, in, uh, investigative uh, investigative journalist. Is this right? He wouldn't actually give me his name, and yeah, he was actually trying to offer me a, a, another bond, bizarrely, even uh, even after I told him. <laughs> even when he knew you were a journalist. A couple of deals. I've got a seven percent bond here. It suits you uh, very, very well, Mr. Mr. Is it Husseini? Husani? Mr. Hussein, yeah. Mr. Hussein. So, who are you? So, you, 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 you gave us a fake name then on, on conducting business with my company. He wasn't serious. He'd realised he'd been rumbled, so he was just sort of, you know, talking nonsense, really. So, just offering me another bond, he said, which would be very suitable for me. And then he lost his rag. How is your investigation going? What are, we, well, what are you doing? I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to find out who you are, really. Can you tell me your name? Well, yes, I just have. It's uh, Patrick Senior. So your name is Mr. So Mr. Senior. Um, no, you... suck my head. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's not very polite. Somebody not best pleased when they're caught out in this way. And what happened afterwards? I mean, are you sure that this particular scam now has been shut down? I can't be sure. I know the website that they they created had been shut down. Uh, I know the bank account they wanted me to send my money to had been shut down after we reported it. And like I said, there were all these uh, warnings put up on the regulator's website about this firm. And Bank of Scotland is, is also aware that its subsidiary is being used in this way. And they tell me that they have plans to shut down some of their old firms that they no longer use. The scammers were reported to the police, but we don't know how far their investigation has got. But could the regulators, the Financial Conduct Authority, do more? Well, it's very difficult for them because one of the things is how scammers are able to advertise their scams, basically. They do it online, they do it through text messages, they set up these websites. So the regulators trying to put pressure on the big tech giants like Google and so on that advertise or enable these kind of scams to happen Mm. but they actually don't have the power to stop them Uh, so the regulator the fca is very frustrated with all this and they've been calling for tougher rules to protect consumers there's a piece of legislation called the 
online harms bill or the online safety bill, I think it's called, which is trying to introduce new laws. But the focus is on things like terrorism, fake news, child abuse, that sort of thing. Obviously, all very important uh, things to tackle. But the FCA, the police and the banks as well, they, they want online scams to be added uh, onto that list. And it hasn't so far been added for whatever reason. So this would make internet companies much more responsible uh, mm. when it comes to advertising scams on their, on their websites. So th- th- there are genuine efforts being made to get this sorted. But th- at the moment, the regulator doesn't think it has sufficient power to force the internet firms to take down these websites. You know, the banks, the telecom companies, the internet companies, they're all trying to sort of shift the blame onto each other, really. Our laws need to catch up with what's happening with technology because the scammers are certainly seem to be one step ahead at the moment. And do, do you think new laws could help us to catch up? Because it does feel right. It feels like they're constantly one step ahead. I think if the internet firms were much more you know, proactively taking down these scam websites or if the telecom firms made it harder to have devices that send out huge numbers of text messages, uh, the banks shut down their unused subsidiaries, you know, all these things are being taken advantage of, really. And if there were tougher laws for people receiving stolen funds, all these things would just make it that little bit harder for the scammers uh, to yeah. operate. And having done your investigation, having gone through the experience yourself and seen how convincing it all is, mm. what are your top tips for people if they should, you know, if they, to protect themselves? What should they be looking out for? Anything that looks too good to be true. If you're being offered 6 7% at a time when... You know, you can hardly get anything from cash. You should always be suspicious. And unless it's cash, if anybody tries to say something is completely 100% safe, then it's almost certainly not the case. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Chief Money Reporter for The Times and The Sunday Times, Ali Hussain. You can read more of Ali's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers today were Joe Shanchana, Edward Drummond and Chris Wade. The executive producer is Poppy Damon and sound design was by John Nichols. If you'd like to get in touch with any ideas for future episodes or any thoughts on what you've just heard, perhaps you've been scammed, do let us know. The email is storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. And if you enjoyed this episode, then please do leave us a review. It'll help others to find it. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.